everyone, it's Justin Miller here, one of the hosts of Dive In The Podcast. Just a couple of quick items before the show starts. We really appreciate the feedback and reviews we've received, and there's a new way to contact us. You can send a voice message directly to the hosts. Just go to our website, diveinthepodcast.com, click the message button. It's super simple. We'll even play your message or question on the air. Right next to that button is a support button. You now have the option to support the podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Lastly, if you're not subscribed, please click the subscribe button on your player now and never miss a new episode. All right, that's it. Let's get on with the show. We definitely wanted to highlight the voices of BIPOC in ocean conservation. Um, because when I when I scroll through my feed, there's not enough of that diversified voice. It's episode 11 of Dive in the Podcast with special guest Alexandra Rose Vance. Welcome to Dive in the Podcast, your favorite podcast about all types of diving, scuba, tech, free diving, and more. We cover it all. Every week on Monday, we post new episodes filled with diving news, interesting dive topics, environmentalism, and much more. This week, we learn about Oceans Week Halifax. In our Think Blue segment, Nick tells us about World Oceans Day early on in the show, and Alexandra Rose Vance joins us for an interview where we talk about her connection to the ocean and how Oceans Week Halifax came to be. Alex even gives us a book recommendation. Before that, though, we'll hear about a treasure trove found right outside our back door. April has a dive safety tip, Amit gives us a bit of a rec report, and we learn who we should follow next on social media. Hi, I'm your host, Justin Miller, and with us tonight, uh, filling in for Nick Fisher, is Amit. How are you doing tonight, Amit? Not too bad, guys. Really uh, great to be on board with you fellas tonight and uh, see how things will go. Yeah, well, we appreciate you coming in at the last minute. Uh, also, Nick Winkler, you're here tonight. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Great to be back. Always great. And April, last but not least tonight, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me yet again. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. You know what else is always a pleasure? Uh, finding treasure underwater. There was an article that I read in the uh, in on the CBC website uh, about some treasure that they found in Mahone Bay. Uh, although it was a bait and switch because it wasn't actually treasure, it was three kilometers of fishing line and several tons of sandbags that have been there for twenty to forty years and fifteen meters of water. And uh, these guys went and uh, found this stuff with a rover and, uh, and used a uh, barge and lifted it all out of the ocean. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I was reading that. Well, first, first thing that kind of struck me, uh, one of the – Jamie, is that one of the guys that comes to the um, treasure yeah, hunt every year? Yeah, yeah, Jamie Hiltz, uh, yeah. Ken, Ken DeBoer, uh, Tony Sampson, all, uh, all guys that if you've been around diving in Halifax for a minute, you probably know, recognize all those names pretty quickly. Yeah, it's pretty cool to be involved in like removing something of that size. It must have been quite the endeavor. I mean, if you go on the the article and you look at the photos, that's just it's just kind of insane. Yeah, yeah. They uh, apparently they knew exactly where it was at. the uh, The Canadian Hydrologic Service gave them the coordinates, and uh, and then uh, Ken uh, modified a rover. Uh, just to uh, just to do that search, and then literally they plopped it in the water, turned. They said uh, turn left, and and there was the uh, there was the stuff on the bottom there. I think thing that's been there twenty to forty years. Yeah. Right. Think think about the plastic bottle that you you know accidentally toss on the beach when you go diving, mm-hmm. and uh, how long that stays in there. Yeah, and that stuff was all in good enough condition that it could be you know drug out by like you know a crane from the surface so like it's it's going to be there forever uh yeah. what the really scary thing is they estimated that every year six hundred and forty thousand tons of fishing gear is left in the ocean just in canada yep just in canada i believe it like i mean you go somewhere like uh terrence bay wharf mm-hmm. and it's just all old fishermen's gear down there it's crazy yeah yeah lobster traps too right anywhere in nova scotia you go you'll find lobster traps wash up the other thing is i went camping in cape breton last year on a little beach and it's just the the rubber bands from like they used mm-hmm. to band lobster mm-hmm. claws just like within like two or three minutes an entire handful wow yeah. 
and that's yeah. just what and that's just the stuff that washes up right so think mm. think about everything that doesn't make it to shore is somewhere on the bottom of the ocean right and i've had friends of mine like uh, do beach cleanups in costa rica where they're pulling out tim horton's cups and wow. you know i mean that's that's quite the difference in in terms of how far <laughs> that's traveling so if you think yeah. that's turning up there what else are we losing in the ocean so yeah, I, uh, my last thing on that is we used to uh, we used to do uh, some volunteer work on one of the St. Martin's Bay Islands, and uh, we were as part of the rule if you were on the island you had to do a a walk in the morning and the afternoon, and literally you could walk around the island in the morning pick up uh, pick up trash lots of times like yellow fishing line and stuff from lobster traps and whatever uh and then you come back by in the afternoon and there was like you know the beach is full of junk again it's crazy. And that's in St. Martin's Bay, you know, you, you don't really expect. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, thanks to those guys for grabbing that stuff out of there. Apparently, their their company did not even get paid by the Canadian government, despite uh, uh, applying for uh, coverage for that, uh, money for that, uh, even though they uh, they met all the conditions. So I'm glad they uh, glad they helped out and uh, hope they can continue can continue to f- help out. Um, but on that note, uh, it's World's Ocean Day when you listen to this, and uh, it's not quite there yet uh, for us recording it. We record on Thursday nights, but uh, uh, Nick, you've got uh, some stuff to tell us. Yeah, so we kind of have a theme going on today because, uh, like you said, it's going to be World Ocean's Day when people are, when this episode comes out. Uh, it takes place on June 8th every year. Uh, it was originally proposed by Canada at the 1992 Earth Summit in, in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, um, and it was officially adopted by the United Nations as an event since 2008 and the, the it's got a several aims but one of the aims is to promote like public awareness about the oceans and participation and support of the oceans uh just recognizing the important the importance of the oceans in general and i think as divers we all recognize that but what's pretty cool though is that halifax is home to a pretty pretty awesome event uh, called mm-hmm. oceans week halifax um that is there to honor world oceans day and connect uh, the communities around the oceans um, in fact, Oceans Week Halifax held the most events of any location in 2019, so it was it was a pretty big deal for that, uh, for an event that's only been around for a few years to actually like set its um, you know its mark on on a global stage. Um, the event runs largely virtually this year, from June 5th to the 14th, uh, so it actually starts the day before this episode comes out. Um, and you can look them up on OceansWeek.ca and find uh, you know all the activities they're going to have uh, for the week, and it's going to be online, so. Uh, pretty easy for people to participate. Um, mm-hmm. And so the other day I was able to catch up with Alexandra Rose Vance, one of the co-founders of the event, uh, for an all-round chat about Oceans Week Halifax and what's on offer this year. So let's dive right into the interview. Hi, I'm Alexandra Rose Vance, and um, I'm an ocean enthusiast. <laughs> I'm um, a marine biologist by training with a master's in marine management, and I've been working for the environmental, uh, not-for-profit sort of um, stream for the last five, six years now. And within that, I've uh, co-founded and directed Oceans Week HFX and have recently uh, been appointed as an expedition coordinator and marine scientist. That's pretty exciting. Um, so the oceans are your passion. That, like, I I know that about you, and um, that well, your listeners, our listeners will will know a bit more about that as we go through the um the 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 interview. But um, why why the oceans? <laughs> um, the oceans for so many reasons, but my I think my favorite reason is because the ocean connects us all. Um, the ocean is sort of our greatest ancestor and carries the most memory. And by, I think, understanding the ocean better, we can understand ourselves a lot better, too. And, and how, how, did you, how did you come to that passion? Um, I was lucky enough to grow up on the ocean. I actually grew up on two pretty different and very wild pieces of the Atlantic, North Atlantic Ocean. Um, one was on the Bay of Fundy and the other side was the Northumberland Strait. And so my entire um, existence so far, because I'm still here in the Maritimes, has always been around and playing in and being curious by and studying ultimately 
um, the ocean and everything. But it's definitely through those early childhood experiences of just running down to the beach and spending like 12 hours a day in the water that uh, really kept me close. <laughs> do, you, do you do any diving? You know what? Um, I'm almost embarrassed to say this on a diving podcast, but I have never dove. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of put you on the spot there. I had a feeling. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm confident enough with who I am that it's okay. <laughs> uh, I spend heaps of time in the water. I just don't put on like a couple air tanks and a respirator and everything. I um, I, I snorkel and I do a very tiny amount of very amateur free diving within my means and totally safe. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're a big surfer. I'm a I'm a pretty avid surfer, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's cool. And and as of uh, you know very recent, the reason why I just moved from one surf spot to another is because uh, the waves around here change so much from winter to summer. So I just went from a winter surf zone to now my summer surf zone. <laughs> so yeah, I chase the waves. My whole existence uh, revolves a lot around that now. <laughs> One of my one of my big things about you know people that enjoy the ocean, um, it's like I don't care if you free dive or you scuba dive or you're a surfer, right? Is I think that it's everybody has a very different way of exploring the ocean and, and sort of connecting to it. So I think that's pretty sweet. Um, most most ocean advocates or, or divers or marine biologists would, would often quote Jacques Cousteau as their influence, and, and maybe that's more of a generational thing that's shifted. Do you, do you have any ocean her- heroes you look up to? Um, I do. And actually, it's, it's not Jacques Cousteau, um, but his granddaughter, Alexandra Cousteau, who's become a really big um, ocean heroine for me. Um, Sylvia Earle, of course. But you know what's funny is is growing up, um, and I guess I, I, those are some of the, the, the more renowned names, I guess. There's lots in our generation and even like some of my near and dear pals that I, you know, I actually am lucky enough to get to see once in a while, maybe not as much these days, but, you know, who who are very much my inspiration. I get a, our community, our ocean community around Halifax is just so beautiful and, and talented and inspiring that it, it doesn't take a lot to look around and, and find those kind of little beacons of light everywhere, actually. There's so much. There's so much beauty in this community. And so talking about that community, you're you're the co-founder of Oceans Week Halifax. Is it Oceans Week Halifax or HFX? Um, it's interchangeable. Okay. Uh, yeah, Oceans Week Halifax is uh, yeah is is definitely uh, a, a love of mine, a passion project. And I'm the co-founder and the director, um, and it has been existing for five years now. This will be our fifth year. Congrats. Um, Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about what it is and maybe also tell us a little bit about your co-founder? Yes. Yeah, I would love to. Um, Monica Fung, she's fantastic. She's um, she's done the Ocean Tech Program at NSCC on the in Halifax. So she does have both a marine biology and tech backgrounds. So you guys, uh, I'm sure, have talked tech more than once. <laughs> and um, she's, she's fantastic. She's really savvy with... Um, with social media and visual storytelling and being a bit of photojournalist. She's just, she's so talented on so many fronts that compliments me well, cause I'm not all that <laughs> tech savvy myself. So, um, as it took like a half an hour to get onto this podcast with you, sorry about that. Right. We're, here. We're, here. <laughs> We're here. We're here. We made it. Um, and oceans week, the thing that Mo and I are both so passionate about, um, is, is a means of actually sort of bringing that ocean connection that I mentioned earlier to life. So, uh, we saw a, a need within our community to bring together all of the fantastic humans and organizers and businesses and everything from government to industry to just sort of grassroots organizers all seemingly did something for World Oceans Day, which is every year on June 8th. But um, the the schedules um, and the posting and sort of the announcement for it was all really disparate. And so I started with an organization and 
and was tasked with coming up with our own Oceans Week Day event. And I had no idea what to do. So I started, you know, calling around other organizations and see what they did. And before I knew it, I had a miniature calendar. <laughs> and so after a couple of years and Mo and I realizing that, you know, this was getting um, pretty, pretty big and we wanted to continue moving it in that direction, that positive forward momentum that we found within the community. We wanted to keep that alive. So we brought that to life through Oceans Week HFX, kind of created like a miniature society off the side of our desks. And, um, and today that's, I mean, we still, we still have that spirit alive of making, various of well, not making but helping host and, and in some case coming up with our own but really trying to let the community do it for themselves so that everything is reflective of our own community but uh, a series basically a mini festival of ocean events and learning opportunities and networking and playing and learning on the water it's it's all about getting to know the ocean um uh, through various facets and and exploring it for yourself and then through that connection with each other and the ocean and yourself having a, um, a bigger appreciation and hopefully sense of stewardship and advocacy to help protect our ocean so that is um that is how we still operate even in this day and age it's transformed quite a bit and and we're so lucky that it's gotten to be as popular here in Halifax as it is um, but it definitely has come from humble beginnings with just the two of us and like eight events. <laughs> but but you and you, I know you had humble beginning beginnings like you know like a lot of projects do, and I think that you guys did an amazing job. But you, you had a you had a pretty big milestone last year, right? Was it was it the biggest event in the world, or I, I forget the, which exactly what metric it was? Yeah, yeah, it, I'm, it's still kind of confusing to me too to be honest um yeah we we were i guess the world oceans day folks uh who operate sort of the the international uh like the website and all the events listing told us they thought we were you know the the organizers the the community with the most amount of events anywhere in the world and we were like uh really can you double check that for us because that would be really cool and sure enough they like literally emailed us back like 20 minutes later and we're like yep you actually do host the most amount of oceans week events anywhere else in the world so congrats halifax <laughs> we congrats had uh, you, yeah Oh uh, yeah, well, all of us. It was uh, definitely a team effort, but we managed to pull off forty-four events in ten days. Wow, that's, and that's quite uh, the evolution. It, <laughs> it really is. But again, it's it's um, it's the community who who pulls the weight. I mean, we're happy to to help kind of direct and shape the website. We get to kind of do the more creative side of things, really. Um, to bring it together, but it's, you know, it's all those individual organizers and volunteers and, and the sponsors who obviously like they do all the hard work. <laughs> it's great. Um, so I, I imagine like with everyone else, right, this pandemic's been been challenging for planning. Um, I just, maybe for the listeners and, and partly because this podcast is going up pretty early on um, in the week, what um, what can people expect? Um, and one of the things I noticed, you have a, a keynote titled uh, "We Are All Ocean, All Ocean People." What that means and why we should care. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what people can expect, and maybe a little bit more about the keynote? Yeah, that's that's great. And yeah, so this year we are, I mean, we're going fully online because of the pandemic, um, and we're definitely having a, a, a new set of challenges before us. But the again, the communities really showed up with a with a huge number of events I wasn't totally expecting. And, you know, we're, we're over a dozen now, which is saying a lot. And I think a lot of people are zoomed out, but here we are with organizing <laughs> more, more online interactions. Um, but the keynote is actually something that Oceans Week um, really wanted to, to dream up and deliver something that was contemporary and um, very mindful of sort of our present day. So, uh, the co-founder, Monica, um, Mo, she did a, a fantastic job reaching out to ancestors or sorry, future ancestors, um, which is, uh, a BIPOC, uh, a black and indigenous person of color, um, founded organization to bring more awareness of, um, 
of issues facing um, non-white people in the field of both conservation and um, just so, social and climate justice, really, that that intersection. And, and also coming from, you know, a female voice as well. It really, it's really going to be quite a fantastic, um, it, it's sort of set up like a panel slash interview right. uh, with, with an Ocean Bridge uh, alum as sort of like our, our guest or special guest but it's it's a a beautiful collaboration between oceans week and uh, future ancestors we're going to have brave space there doing sort of a visual storytelling um a note taking from that as well and um i think i think we're going to explore a lot of sides in this conversation of of marine conservation that isn't quite mainstream and Mm -hmm quite frankly it should be like we don't often talk about race when talking about saving the ocean we don't talk about privilege and these these social issues that are absolutely inundating our social media waves right now right yeah, so it's, it's, uh, i mean unfortunately the timing couldn't be in a more couldn't. unfortunate <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's wild how it turned out this way because we've been working on bringing this to life for a little while now but to have it be this Saturday um, is going to be absolutely fantastic. So I know we're recording this in advance, so maybe we can do a little plug for it. <laughs> so it's it's super contemporary. It's super powerful and meaningful. And I think as part of the narrative that we all need to change and and for those of us who are white, certainly a period to to educate ourselves and listen. So I think this event is going to um, be really helpful for those of us in the ocean community who who want to learn and take the time to learn. So I I'm really I, excited. I, I congratulate you on, on you know taking up that torch because I think that's also uh, not just in conservation. I think it's also in diving. Um, if you look at mm-hmm. what the demographic of, of most divers are, um, and I, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but just from experience, um, and also the accessibility of especially something like scuba diving, which can be more expensive and more more challenging to get into from a price mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think, you know, even somebody that's not necessarily conservation minded, but is a diver that uh, may want to listen to that or has listened to it if they're listening to this in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think those those are ideas that translate, um, I think, across a vast um, array of ocean enthusiasts right whether you're a kayaker or an outdoors person so um, i'm looking forward to that Um, yeah well i'm i'm stoked i am i hope you register in advance because there's something cool happening with a a grant fund as well if you register um some money goes towards the grant fund which raises money for future ancestors so that's great okay i'm gonna have to register Um, yeah, sorry. That might just be an outtake. Sorry, just yeah, but for fine. you to know yeah. <laughs> while we're in conversation. Um, but yeah, no. And I was just going to add too, like as you know, as far what you were just saying about um, this being super applicable to ocean enthusiasts in general. Um, I mean, I see that across so many different of my own ocean hobbies. Like, it's so predominantly is that space taken by privileged, able-bodied, um, affluent white folk. And and a lot of what we do does have so many barriers to what you were saying, right? Even financially. Yep. Um, let alone let alone race and and maybe religious background and everything else. Um, but I think taking a moment to take the microphone away from so many of our of our idols and and the people we look up to and inspire us and and really just be mindful of like who those people are and what their experiences are and then are you able to maybe do research if you can't think of any off the top of your head but people that you might not have otherwise looked to um or and challenging yourself to do that i think this is such a beautiful time in our society where it's like oh maybe maybe my perspective isn't diversified enough and how am I going to respond to that? And so when we were thinking of doing an event, we wanted it again to be really meaningful and contemporary, not realizing it is going to be this contemporary perhaps and, and important conversation, but um, we definitely wanted to highlight the voices of BIPOC in ocean conservation mm-hmm. Um, because when I when I scroll through my feed, there's not enough of that diversified voice. 
Yeah, I can, so I this can relate is, to that totally. So this is, I mean, it's it's just as important and timely as it is actually um, very. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I mean, it, it plays expanding, into, expanding. Yeah, it, it plays into building an inclusive community, right? Whether that's an ocean community of, of scientists or divers or or conservationists or, or just the general community, right? Totally. No, you're right. It's it's good for everybody, I think. Um, so I hope people who aren't just into oceans actually tune in. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think it's I, I think it's uh, yeah. Congratulations on on taking that up. Um, are there any other um, events this week that you're particularly excited about? I mean, I'm excited about all the events, but one in particular is being co-hosted. Uh, actually, it's being entirely hosted with a special guest um, by our youth ambassador from last year. And she was so excited to participate again this year and, and actually host her own event after having been a part of Oceans Week last year. She really took the reins on doing something herself this year. So I'm really excited to see um, the video. She's doing a film screening. It's like a plastic oceans, for, but for youth. Yes. And uh, and then she's doing a craft afterwards while uh, while talking about like some tips that she came up with um, about not bringing plastic to the beach with like for your snacks and just like some tips for being plastic free in general and. She's she's fantastic, so I'm really excited to see what her uh, what her event un, um, unpackages and blossoms to be. It's going to be really exciting. Very exciting. Um, it, is that going to be like during the week or after the week? It's um, so it's it's still within within Oceans Week. So we're doing Oceans Week June 5th to 14th this year, and I right. think it's on the uh, on the other uh, next weekend. Excuse me. Yeah. Not everyone's an ocean expert or scientist or policy wonk or, or you know, or an ac- very active um, advocate for, for for want of a better term. Um, so this show is geared towards scuba divers, tech divers, free divers. Um, how do you think? Um, how do you think they can help the oceans? Hmm. Well, I think I think everyone can help the oceans. Quite frankly, I don't mean to sound cliche, um, but there's literally like there's no short list of of things you can do. I mean, everything from your you know consciously and purchasing your your groceries to um, even just like your your decision to travel or, or maybe not this year. <laughs> um, but you know everything from yeah being at least attempting to reduce your plastics. Uh, I know that's a privilege in and of itself, but it does go a long way if you have that kind of accessibility. Um, but you know even just even being curious about the ocean, being thoughtful about it, finding your place in the ocean in the sense that knowing that everything you you create and you eat and you put energy into ends up washing back to the ocean by virtue of our, our watersheds and, and our hydrological cycle. It's, it's, you know, it, it's beyond just thinking and doing good for the ocean. It's, you know, actually putting it to practice with every small gesture you can do. So whether that's the eating local seafood or, you know, trying to just support local in general, um, being being kind to your your body is actually a good thing for the ocean. <laughs> um, I very much believe that you know meditating and and practicing sort of mindfulness in general all relates back to you know creating a better existence where we're more um, resilient to to a system that is not helping the ocean at all. So I think uh, you know. I hate to use such like, you know, green term, but, you know, going green and um, reducing your, your footprint, whether that's like the home you buy or, you know, the next um, shirt you buy. <laughs> if, if you can, if you can think of a way to consume, you can consume in a way that's mindful and beneficial to the ocean. Uh, and I, I think I, that's what it comes down to. I, I like the kind of the general point that I, what I'm taking away from that is that there's there's a, there's a much deeper way to connect to the ocean than just going in the water and, and helping out by doing things um, in, in your everyday life, even if you're not you know um, an ocean expert or a scientist that works on the issue full time. So I, I like the way 
um, I don't know. That's kind of what I took away from it. <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly a much more succinct way than what I just tried to describe. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe if you want a shorter answer, maybe I'll just try to answer that again, but much like less, but, um, yeah, I, th- I think like being, being in the water is so, um, so important for people to realize that connection, right. Is, is to, is to have that firsthand immersive experience and seeing the beauty of the ocean firsthand. And that's what so many, it's what the diver, that's why you divers dive, right. You, you kind of go further than what the average person sees. You get to see a whole new, wholly complex version of the ocean just beyond, you know, regular swimming depths. And I think that beauty of the ocean is what needs to be celebrated regardless if you're in or out of the water. Um, and it is those everyday practices you can do from, um, from purchasing mindfully consuming or reducing, reuse, recycle, refuse. Right. And then, and then, and then also relearn, like learn how to go and, and do your own gardening and, um, maybe hang your laundry as to using the dryer and, (laughs) you know, buying local seafood for sure. And, and reducing your plastic if you have that kind of accessibility, but that wonder and curiosity that you're like that divers and scubas and, and even people who free dive for that matter, get to experience when they're doing the thing they love so much, I think that just needs to be celebrated and be mindful all of the time. And and uh, take part in um, Ocean's Week Halifax as well. <laughs> <laughs> what, that, the what, ten days of the year that it's here, please, yeah, please yeah. go check it out. Because and that's and that's what it is. I mean, there's everyone from who sails to our scientists to um, maybe just have an ocean-based business or you know something that's close to the ocean, or maybe just a, a local uh, designer or company that just wants to support you know small-scale local. So we're not putting any undue pressures on you know the globalization of the planet but i mean everybody has a role to play and everybody has their own thing that you know the ocean means so much to them and oceans week is just kind of like a beautiful little cluster of time and space where we all get to celebrate that love for the ocean in a in a way that's totally unique from the next person and that's i think the coolest thing for me is seeing like the diversity of our events um and the and the you know the the different cultures and backgrounds and ages that turn up to them like it's so fascinating to see how many people love the ocean and and try to imagine for all the different reasons why i'm looking forward to that and i'm also looking forward to maybe next year when we can all get back together person, <laughs> right? uh, and share that yeah, share ho- that commonly yeah. <laughs> yeah hopefully it's before oceans week 2021 like <laughs> right. hopefully we can get together before then but yeah <laughs> yeah that, and that's a that's a big thing for this year is um is losing sort of that human connection um because that's how you know it's so important for us to interact as humans with other humans <laughs> um and and especially for oceans week because again that's how we sort of connect and share our own love and and do all these different activities or um learning opportunities that allow us to explore and celebrate the ocean in a new way and um not being able to get together in person this year does lose a little bit of its luster um, but I still think like the resilience of people showing up and doing it online speaks volumes about that passion that people have. So I'm really excited about that too. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because that brings me to what a question I had is um, wh- whenever I talk to you, there's there's a lot of optimism um, that, that I get <laughs> from you. Um, and often, you know, we hear ocean stories or it's often about conservation. It's all, you know, very sad and doomy and, and gloomy and, and that sort of thing. Um are you optimistic about the ocean's future? And 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 briefly, why? <laughs> no, it's it's a great question, and um, you know, I ask myself this a lot, actually. <laughs> um, and the answer is yes, I am optimistic about the ocean and its future because I have to be, not because it's it's my job or somebody told me to, but because it's it's that. Um, spark of hope that that keeps me going, to be honest, and and knowing that if I can continue to hopefully inspire others and and give people some maybe some insight or new tricks or a new perspective about why the ocean matters and what they can do, then we're actually getting closer to that goal um, of saving the ocean. Right, like every single person that we can reach and. And in, 
and have them participate and be better stewards and turn around and advocate for the ocean too, whether it be by storytelling or again, like that firsthand experience, um, slowly, but surely I think more people are, and, and thankfully thanks to like, like, you know, social media and, and beautiful underwater photography and, <laughs> and, and skills like you have, like, you know, to bring that beauty to so many people and people be inspired by it regardless if they're coastal or in the middle, like inland somewhere. Um, I think the more awareness there is and there's more work being done to preserve what we love. I mean, I think we, I think we stand a good chance quite frankly. So as long as we keep it up, <laughs> there's more podcasts, uh, there's more, you know, photography gigs in your near future, <laughs> the better off we'll be. And so, yeah, I'm, I get inspired and maybe you're hearing a little extra optimism because I'm so grateful to be part of something like this, which is actually, you know, the outreach that's so important, but, um, well, yeah, I, I'll, I'll confess I'm that stoked. your, your optimism, um, and just the work that you've done inspires me. So, um, it's always a pleasure to, to see what you're up to and, and to talk to you. So um, keep it uh, up. Likewise, likewise. I still, you know, I remember, I remember our like our more recent coffee chat and like the pleasure of getting to like hang out with you and hear like all the things that were driving you and sort of like that really like uh, the the bashful innocence of starting like a whole new business. <laughs> you were just you were so wide eyed and bushy tailed and so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, like this. Is fantastic! Like we've got we've got another one. <laughs> we've we've got somebody who's like gonna stay in the ocean court forever. And I was like so so stoked. But yeah, you inspire me too, pal. It's uh, it's that. great to see, great to see how far you've come so quickly. It's awesome. We'll, we'll see we'll see what the rest of the year brings. Um, so I usually <laughs> I usually do a little um, a little book recommendation. Um, mm. So did you have a book, an ocean book that might fit in with a the theme of? you know, either Oceans Week or the oceans in general. Is there is there a book that really tugs at your heartstrings that you might want to recommend to people? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um I've I've read it a few times and it's it's not super timely. It's just probably one of my all time um non-fictional ocean books. And it's called Listening to Whales. Okay. Uh, by Alexandra Morton. She's uh from BC. I, I don't know if she's like she was born and bred in Vancouver, I think, but um, it's it's a tale of a woman who just by her fascination with the ocean and whales um, started like Jimmy rigging her own underwater microphone, like a hydrophone and uh, recording system. And this was like all in like the the early. I think I think it was even like 70s. Wow. And so and so like none of this tech was out. It was like, you know, surfing before there was wetsuits and people going with their wool socks. It was like somehow this woman figured out how to put a microphone underwater and to listen to whales specifically. Cool. <laughs> so it's it's super cool but then to see sort of like the evolution of marine conservation from her lens and like her experiences and and it pretty well brings you up to like almost present day. Um, of her fighting tooth and nail against um, salmon aquaculture as a means to save the killer whales. And so it's this beautiful tale of like being sort of like that young and bashful innocence when she first started out, um, you know, being so excited and, and inspired by the whales that she took every, every ounce of her to, to understand them. And then, um, and then, and now doing everything she can to save them from the brink of extinction. And I'm, we have we haven't done uh, nobody's written a book about the North Atlantic right whales. That's like kind of like similar situation happening over here. Um, but it's something I work on, and I'm just I'm whenever I think about that book and what Alexandra Morton's been through, I'm like, oh, that's hopefully we can we can kind of learn from that and apply it here. But it's such a beautiful book, and like I think you'd love it. Her um her husband was an under underwater videographer and filming all these whales oh i'm, I'm and, like i'm already um as soon as i can get off the recording i'm gonna go look it up. <laughs> um, I, I don't think i don't think i could i could have picked a better suggestion to fit fit in uh the theme of this episode so thank you for that oh my gosh and yeah there's there's yeah you're very welcome i have a copy if you need it <laughs> okay it's good to know 
just before we wrap up, uh, where can people find uh, Oceans Week Halifax and maybe even yourself on social media? Totally. Um, thanks for the plug. Um, oceansweek.ca so, uh, is, is our website. Uh, we have our calendar. We have a bunch of archives from all our previous years. All the resources that you need for Oceans Week 2020 is definitely at oceansweek.ca. And then we're both on Facebook and Instagram as Oceans Week HFX. And you can use the hashtag if you want to sort of profile any of your own participation and how you're following along. Uh, Nick, I really hope to see that you're going to be involved in the art contest. So please, uh, (laughs) please submit something. (laughs) And, uh, and personally, I'm alexandrarosevance.ca. I didn't know it's a mouthful, but it's my full name. Pretty sweet to Instagram. Yeah. That you have oh that no oh, that's my website and then my oh, instagram okay yeah and then uh salty rose <laughs> with two y's is my is my instagram and uh yeah i'm i hope uh, i hope they find some of uh you know the listeners out there and and then they check out my stuff i'm stoked to be able to check them all out too it's the beauty of social media right, right. It's, you get to connect with people you would never sure. know even were out there beforehand so yeah it would be awesome if uh If any of your folks out there listening were to say hi, I'd be stoked to say hello. Well, that was a great interview, and I'm definitely going to make sure I give her a follow on Instagram, maybe send her a message, tell her thank you for uh, for being on the show. Because, you know, when, uh, Nick, you interviewed her, we didn't all get a chance to be on that. So uh, definitely reach out and say thanks. It's pretty cool also to represent, you know, something locally uh, that's pretty major and be able to showcase it. Uh, and also, the you know, the fact that the episode, like, comes out on World Oceans Day and mm-hmm. then it's the start of the week so people can listen to it and then, like, go follow all the things that they're doing from the website. So yeah, it's, like, for perfect sure. timing. We, we didn't engineer it that way, though. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely not. I, I think it must be her, like, just genuine positivity rubbing off on the show there because, uh, man, she was... Uh, there's something uh some sort of aura about her i think for sure yeah so anyway um speaking of uh auras we'll go do it no that's not uh, <laughs> what are you not gonna, gonna say? go to commercial um <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute with a dive report from a mitt on the wreck of the arctic trader Hi, everyone. I just wanted to take a second to thank our sponsor, Torpedo Rays Scuba. Torpedo Rays is a local dive shop in Nova Scotia. If you're not in Nova Scotia, that's okay. They've got a wonderful website, torpedorays.com, T-O-R-P-E-D-O-R-A-Y-S.com. All of the scuba gear you could ever need is there. If you can't find it, give Jason a call, 902-481-0444, and he'll be happy to help you out. And these challenging times, it's always great to shop local. Don't go to a huge, big box help support your local dive shop buy something you've had your eye on excellent time to make a good deal buy a gift certificate to use later whatever the case may be torpedo rays and torpedorays.com will be there for you once again their number is 902-481-0444 or torpedorays.com okay and we're back uh thanks for staying with us um amit you went diving uh, recently and dove on the uh, Arctic Trader. That's a pretty unique wreck, uh, both in the like uh, location and just the wreck itself there, eh? Yeah, so I, I think um, I, I'm going to suggest that it was not a, a first-choice dive uh, for <laughs> me, but uh, I have a dive buddy of mine, Jared, who is pretty passionate about it. Apparently him, him and Ty have gone onto this wreck so many times, planned camping trips around diving the thing, and they know it inside out and backwards. So it's out in really? Sheet Harbor which is quite a ways away. It's a good solid hour and a half drive mm-hmm. away from the Torpedo Rays shop. And when you get there, you could easily miss it. Uh, I mean, I certainly couldn't find it, I think, if I were looking again. But there's a great map, I think, some directions on the Torpedo Rays uh, site that gives you some some uh, tidbits on how to find it there. But the wreck sits more or less in 25 feet of water. Mm-hmm. Um, it had caught fire, I was told, and, and kind of drifted off the pier. It was cut loose and drifted off to the pier. And so it sits more or less, I would say, within 30 to 40 feet of the of the pier. So if you just jumped off of the wharf and swam in a straight line, you'd likely mm-hmm. just bump into it. <laughs> now, 
I guess the reason I was dreading going was the fact that they said the Viz can be very bad. We lucked out when I dove it, um, I guess, yesterday, and mm -hmm. uh, the, the Viz was actually pretty good for, for what it is. The, some fresh water that uh, leaches in with the salt water, so you have, a, you know, have a bit of the differences in the water there to contend with. Right. Uh, and, you know, as a tip, it seems that we were lucky because it hadn't rained for a number of days mm. leading up to us being there. So I think that helped with the Viz. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great wreck. It offers an opportunity for uh, beginners to, to be able to experience what a wreck does look like. It makes forces you to have to look at your buoyancy control because it's a completely silt bottom. If you were to touch bottom, I think you would end up silting the place out in a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. and uh, offer some penetration uh, opportunities as well so you can travel in through parts of that wreck uh, and practice your line work. Uh, what I will say is because of the level of silt that's there, if you're going to end up trying to do some wreck penetrations, it's definitely in your interest to have taken a wreck course or at least um, you know have significant experience ahead of time in doing that. And overall, it was an ab absolutely enjoyable dive. So we did two dives, about 50 minutes each. Water temperature was about 4 Celsius uh, and uh, offered a great opportunity. A lot of life sitting uh, on the wreck as well. So uh, if you have the opportunity, check it out, the, uh, the Arctic Trader. Um, and yeah, preferably do it at a time when it hasn't been raining. Right. <laughs> so so yeah. how, how big is this boat? So, you know, I, I couldn't tell you the exact dimensions, but it's, it's an old fishing trawler. Um, I'm going to guess like it's in the, it's in the, the probably 60, 65 foot range. Okay. Uh, and, metal? Uh, it's a metal wreck. And so there's, there are bits of board that, uh, that you kind of find falling into itself. And uh, there's corridors that you can get through that open up into the engine room. Uh, we missed the engine room. Um, I think beginner's error on my part from having <laughs> not dove the wreck before. And, of course, on the spin around to try and figure out where it was, there was so much silt. Like, really, you just followed a line out. You, you had zero, mm -hmm. zero viz. Uh, I couldn't even see my partner in front of me. So right. uh, it's – but, yeah, great, great wreck for training. And I think probably – the reason I would put it that way is because it does force those techniques that you want to try to perfect if you're going to dive on wrecks, which are your buoyancy, stability in the water, and overall your ability to be still in the water, and then your line work as well. But it's shallow enough that really you don't need to worry about NDL. Uh, you just go and you dive until you run low on air, and if you carry a whole pile of air, well, then you can spend a couple hours on that thing quite comfortably. Hmm. Yeah. I've only uh, I've only known a few people, I guess, other than Ty and Jared, because they're uh, we could get Ty and Jared maybe as a team on the show one time because they're, they're kind of <laughs> that would the, be awesome. the, the world's most interesting dive buddies. Um, oh, those guys but, have some great stories. Yeah, but uh, most of what I hear about people diving the Arctic Trader is them going and being zero visibility. Yeah, you run your head runs into the wreck. Uh, so it's nice to hear that there are some good days. And just like any time diving in Halifax, you want to wait until you've had a little bit uh, or a, a lack of rain and a lack of uh, strong winds and you get good viz. So mm -hmm. good mix there. And, uh, yeah, and I just want to follow up with, uh, yeah, while it's a great place to learn and to be taught, uh, don't ever, for the love of God, enter a wreck uh, without a line if you don't, uh, without training and using a line. Cause you can, uh, if that silts up and you can't find your way out, that's a problem, right? Yeah. And I'm going to second that because I'd, I'd add to, of course, you know, you should never be diving alone, but, but don't go in there by yourself. Cause it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Like if you were to get turned around inside of that and not have someone to look at and, and it was an active fishing trawler. So, you know, while there's not a ton of lines hanging off of it, there are lines. Mm -hmm. So there are a few snags, not many, but there are a few yeah. snags that can grab you. It's, it's been on my list. I was actually up in Sheet Harbor last year. I really should have. We rented a uh, cabin up there. Should have gone diving on it. Uh, and didn't even hour. think about it. Yeah, what a slacker. Failure. <laughs> Although I would have had to, I don't know, uh, fly somebody up to dive with me because it was just me and the family and not the only one who dives. <laughs> you know what? I, I have a friend of mine who owns a who owns an old uh, hunting and fishing cabin up there, so maybe we can plan a, a group trip and we'll head up there on some weekend and, and pull off a couple of dives. I, on the I don't even know why I didn't think of this. Jamie Rigel was literally in his boat in the bay in uh, in Sheet Harbor, so like yeah, I could have dove with him. Man, this is... <laughs> what am Aww. I doing here? 
It's a total. Are you, wreck. Are you a diver? Do you work no, for a No, apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> Maybe that was it. It was the end of the season, and I was just on vacation. Nothing you just sitting else. Sitting in your basement making podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Armchair diver. Uh, armchair diver. Listen to me, folks. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> New Patty specialty armchair diver. <laughs> you sit on forums all day long, criticizing other divers about their gear and stuff. Uh, yeah. If anyone can find me on uh, on scuba board and figure out what my user name is there no we can flame you <laughs> no i i maybe have a scuba board account i'm not sure it's been a while I'm pretty uh, sure I, I still have one kicking around somewhere yeah it probably wasn't updated since i lived in las vegas or something it's been a few years that was a pretty sweet site i'm sure it's still around though it definitely is yeah scuba board yeah i know some folks that are hardcore keyboard mashers on scuba board <laughs> i don't even know what scuba board is Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be a report for next uh, next episode. Next, a- next time we'll April, talk oh, about Mark. it. <laughs> a- April safety fall. tip will be how to survive scuba board. Okay, this week I'll go home and make a scuba board account, and yep. I'll start using it, and I'll mm-hmm. check back in with you guys next week. Okay, perfect. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Um, so... <laughs> Speaking Actually, of, while, uh, while you're there, can you just plug the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Go, That's not just a find idea. a few random, uh, <laughs> random rooms that seem vague, regular or vaguely rooms. related, and uh, I don't know. I don't boards. It's a chat board, right? So, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. All right. <sighs> well, I'll see that's what awesome. kind of damage I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Speaking of damage, uh, do you have a safety tip for us, April? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh come on! It's <laughs> priceless. Uh, not the all right. Maybe maybe not the best safety tip toss ever. But uh, how to avoid damage, April? All right. Thanks. My, Thanks for playing I, along. I'll, uh, yeah, I love your tosses. Or your throws <laughs> just <laughs> they're fantastic. Uh, I'll dive on into my uh, safety tip here this week. <laughs> uh, this week, I'm going to be talking about uh, wearing the proper equipment and how that is uh, really affects your safety. There's a matter of things like wearing a three millimeter wetsuit in winter in Nova Scotia. Not safe, not smart. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe that's a bit extreme, but I mean, I've seen people try to go diving in like a five mil in the winter, um, which they think is an okay thing to do, but in reality, it's not. You're putting yourself at risk for hypothermia. Uh, It's not safe. You also see people with regulators. They're diving with warm water regulators in the winter. If you're going to be doing any diving in the winter, you really, really need something that's environmentally sealed, and I think most of us learn that the hard way. Hmm. (laughs) Um, But when it comes to gear, you get what you pay for, right? Uh, And your safety is your top priority. So when you're investing in dive gear, you're investing in your safety. Yeah. No, that's true. Like, uh, you know, I I, I know I'm guilty at the end of the season of still wanting to wear my five mil, coincidentally, (laughs) uh, a little bit longer. And then you you hit that thermocline and you're frozen and you're out diving with somebody and you just push through it. But that's really not that's not great. I could be, you know, you're going to use more air if you're cold. Uh, you could, I could be like focusing on how, you know, cold I am and not focusing on my dive buddy who's having an issue or something like that. So there's, uh, there's, I mean, man, I'm sure, uh, I could just come up with 75 reasons why, you know, you should be geared up for the environment that you're in and not just, uh, not, not half doing it halfway. I think the same way your mom told you take a sweater it's like the same in diving <laughs> take a dry suit yeah exactly i remember going out with uh, dave pate and and tebow out in the arm it was february a few years mm-hmm. ago it was like i mean it was one of those days it was like minus 20 and the water is barely like right. zero and we meet at the shop in halifax and this guy shows us like yeah i'm coming diving and i was a like, club dive and we're like okay cool where's your dry suit now it's like i'm renting the gear and like literally shows up in a you know two piece seven mil and we're like this guy's not gonna last and I don't know we we didn't last twenty minutes but the guy came and went and we never saw him again. <laughs> <laughs> he did leave in his car just to, you know. yeah yeah that's that's always a plus you want to make sure that that's the case right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, those those brutal winter dives. I love making those on occasion. But uh, yeah, 20, 30 minutes in your dry suit, and you're just like, yep, I'm good to go home. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. I think the uh, biggest part of that is just the bragging rights, just to be like, I went out on a minus like 30 <laughs> oh, day. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's but talking safety, bragging. though, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, having the right suit's important, but also being prepared for changing in and yes. out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing I find in freediving, like a, a lot of, we go in the winter, but every now and then somebody just takes a long, long time to change in another suit and that just like yes. ruins it. And that can be, let's like, I think that's the part you're going to be yeah. planning for as well, getting in and out. Well, you know, even, temp- uh, I was teaching a dry suit course in January and it was a really, really cold day and I ended up getting frostbite on my face and I got that from the time of just getting out of the water and back to my car and just getting changed the air was literally so cold in the wind that just the wetness i don't Mm -hmm. know what you call it dampness water on my face uh froze to my skin and gave me frostbite and i looked like the joker for like a week so (laughs) yeah and i think there's something to be said for that i mean i've been in that same situation coming out not teaching courses Mm -hmm. but uh starting to have you know the the post dive debrief and mm-hmm. you know it's minus 20 out in february and we look down and realize my dry suit's actually freezing so i got to crack yes. the zipper and undo my laces yeah. or i'm not going to get them off uh, yeah. so that's yeah. that's a that's a legitimate reality in nova scotia right it's a different breed of diving altogether mm-hmm. exactly it's a different ball game than warm water diving which people don't mm-hmm. always realize uh and equally as fun equally as enjoyable but you got to be prepared just like but home you- right nick What's that? So it's just like home, right, Nick? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> minus 20 in the winter and the temperature zero. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But even friend, even in the warm water, crazy. even in the warm water, having the appropriate gear, because, you know, you... Yes. Overheating. You know, um, well, yeah, that could happen. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, people who try to scuba dive with snorkeling fins and yes, they overexert exactly. themselves and they're, they're you know... It looks like they're running a marathon or something under there and, and uh, huffing and puffing and all that. And they just, you know, because there's a little bit of current and can't keep up or something like that. And repetitive dives, right? So, you know, yes. if, you, if you're going to do repetitive dives in warm water, you're still by the time, if you do, say, two two daytime dives and you're into your third dive and it's a night dive, uh, I've been in that situation. And even with a five mil, uh, I'm pretty cold mm-hmm. by the end of that, right? Like I'm shivering yeah. coming out of the water and the water temperature is 28 degrees. So it's really yes. being aware of the changes and how many dives you're doing. And even like the gear that works, like you're saying, Justin, like the little cute pink snorkeling fins. I have a pair and I dive with them in Mexico. But if I try to dive with those here, like they're just not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. And diving with like a little pair of flimsy snorkeling fins, like with my dry suit on, like... Not a good idea. <laughs> if, you, if you can get your boots in them. If I can even with. get them on. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's all uh, That's all really important stuff. And, uh, yeah, I guess it all just leads back to just planning your dive. That's something some some divers don't do that are, are experienced. You know, they don't really just think through things. They have a kit. They grab their kit. They go. Um, but sometimes you just really need to think about what you're using and what you're doing to, to make sure you're prepared for the, uh, for the environment. Because in those change day to day, week to week, month to month, and and uh, and sometimes people's uh, mindset does not change that fast. Exactly, so. and I even think too, just being open uh, to the advice because I know there's been times where I've been like, "Listen, that's not going to work. Like, that's not going to be warm enough or something." People, oh no, no, like I'll be fine, I'll be fine, but just like you know, take it into account. You know, mm-hmm. yep. We know what we're talking about. Like, we're instructors, (laughs) we're experienced. Like, if I give you a piece of advice, I typically know what I'm talking about. Like, if you tell me your five mil is okay to dive in January and I say, listen, it's really not, like, trust me, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Experience can uh, can definitely help help smooth over those uh, those speed bumps. Um, How are the frogs, Justin? There's your toss. How are the frogs doing? The frogs are fine. The frogs are fine. I, I, uh, I made that picture you requested of, uh, yeah, of the three of you it. that I didn't post it. Uh, it feels weird, but uh, I may- would post maybe it. I'll post it this week. On the shop the screen. 
on the shop screen. That way, if anybody wants to come see it, I'll, they have to come to Torpedo Rays to, to figure out which frog is which. Uh, I've, I learned something pretty funny, though, this week about the frogs that I forgot to Rick. tell you, April. Uh, and that is uh, the frog uh, that I've been calling, uh, or the kids, I guess, because it's the most active one, I've been calling Mr. Winks. Yes. <laughs> uh, for for Nick Winkler is the biggest one and it's the one that like swims all over the tank and free falls around. It's pretty cute. Um but it turns out because it's the biggest one is very likely the only female frog and the two male frogs <laughs> <laughs> are uh, are the other two frogs, Baby Ray and uh, and Mr. Fish. So, that's uh, the life of a frog is uh is full of uh, confusing times, I guess. So, I guess uh Mr. <laughs> that's what that's the ambulance. That's is that your dog? Yeah. <laughs> the ambulance is going down at Robbie uh, Street. I'm sure there are plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty of listeners who have dogs that howl along with ambulances and fire trucks and <laughs> that's stuff. <awesome>. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that uh, is good. funny. Uh, April, do you have a social media tip for us this week? We already got one earlier in the show from uh, from Alex. Uh, do you have a, a separate one for us? I do. This week I'm going to do Aqualung. I know I've been doing a few brands lately, but mm-hmm. I really like Aqualung. And they're, uh, I have an Aqualung dry suit, which mm-hmm. I love. So yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna promote them this week. And their Instagram is just at Aqualung Divers. Uh, and yet again, like many other uh, scuba diving brands, uh, they don't just promote, you know, their equipment it's a lot of it is photography and brand ambassadors so they're a good follow is that the uh that's the like worldwide aqualung not the canadian aqualung or anything like that (laughs) (laughs) they're a howling good follow that's a good howl yeah Yeah. Yeah. he's loving he's living living in the north end with with roby street (laughs) between roby and agricola listen to him (laughs) Boy, come on. <laughs> I'm just going to start driving by your house, Nick, and just like fire up the sirens every, every Actually, day. Actually, you know what? I live next to the fire station okay. on West. <laughs> the fire station doesn't work and police cars don't work. It's, it's only ambulances. It's only ambulances. Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Here he is. That's hilarious. It's that well-tuned, uh, well-tuned ear he's got. Just look, uh, listening for the... Uh, nope. Yeah, you guys can't see this uh, listening in, but we we can all see each other on camera and uh, and Wally's there getting some uh, getting some cuddles, some loving from some lovin's. Uh, he gets from really Nick. embarrassed when you catch him mid- midway through howling in an ambulance. He just <laughs> looks at you and stops. And- <laughs> I do the same thing. I I understand. That's Stage funny. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Guinness has uh, discovered like a lot of new critters here since we've been here that aren't in uh, Nova Scotia, which he's hmm. been. Re- and you know what a big one is, which like we have in Nova Scotia, but since he's only a year old, like he doesn't remember it from last year. Yeah, House and they're flies. better in Ontario. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Houseflies are better in Ontario, but he like loves houseflies. He Man. keeps like eating them, and he just traps them like against the wall and eats them, and it's hilarious. But there's these little blackbirds. <laughs> I don't even know what they are, but just like little tiny blackbirds, mm-hmm. loves them. Like will chase them all day to the point where he like just falls over because he's exhausted. <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. All- all my dogs do is they're small. They just bark at everybody that walks by outside, <laughs> so, protecting the house. Sad. I think. Yeah, yeah. Has Sad. you found those giant Ontario mutant squirrels yet? Like the the big. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to care about them, but I okay. find them terrifying. They're like the size of a cat. Mm-hmm. Oh, they'll eat um, your cat. You got to watch. And those they're guys. like they don't like they move slow. Like they don't always move fast. Like sometimes they're just strolling down the street, and I find that really disturbing. Like I don't know, I don't like do, it. Do they have a top hat and walking cane? Because that's how I'm picturing them. Oh, that'd have be you great. seen them, Justin? No. They're f-ed. like uh, they're huge. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are like loan sharks. They're like, hey man, where's my money? At? Where's my money? At? They're, they're like full. They're the size of a cat. Like picture a cat with yeah. a bigger tail. That's the thing. It's crazy. Wow. I'll have I don't to, like uh, it. Maybe I'm, Google it. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say that I've lived in Canada for almost a decade, and I've uh, I've never like other than an airport, never really been west of New Brunswick. So eh, maybe 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 one day I'll see the rest of the road country. trip. Yeah. Come visit me. 
There you go. Tobamori. So the 2021 podcasting road trip. Uh, go all the dive shops in Canada from east all to west. All the dive shops in Canada. That yeah. would be fun. And we dive along the way too, of course. Sounds like an excellent idea. So we started Belle Island. Yeah. We end up in BC. Yeah, I think we should I start mean, fundraising now. Yep. Start our GoFundMe page. Gonna have to restart that GoFundMe page after that trip we took to uh, Australia. <laughs> mm, yeah, that, that was a fantastic trip. I wish you guys brought yeah. me. We oh. should have recorded it or done some sort of follow up or talk about it or something. That would have been it's really just good. Top secret. We can't yeah. talk about it. We make yeah. so much money doing this podcast. We can't talk no, about it. Just, yeah. yeah, it's really embarrassing. I'm just too embarrassed to talk about it. Well, That's I retired just as a guest host. So, I mean, you guys yeah. brought me on today. I, I just packed it in. Yeah, you, so. you do two shows, you get a pension. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> you Double can retire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, before this uh, goes any further off the rails, uh, I will get this show wrapped up for today. Uh, that is it for this week. I'd like to thank everybody, uh, especially Amit. Thanks for jumping in there again at the last minute and uh, and filling us in on the Arctic Trader and all your uh, every uh, every other bit of uh, everything you did for us. Oh, April has something to say. It's very important. I was going to throw this in here somewhere, but I kind of forgot about it until now. But I was excited to have a mid on the show because I refer to him as my scuba dad. Even though uh, <laughs> my real dad is also, I guess, a scuba dad. But even my real dad knows that a mitt is my scuba dad. So <laughs> <laughs> it was exciting to have my scuba dad on the show today. Well, I, you know what? The gray hairs are real. So I'm happy to serve a purpose, whatever that purpose might be. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. Well, thanks, uh, Scuba Dad. Thanks for being here this week. Uh, we really appreciate it. All right, kids. I'll be here anytime you like. <laughs> All right. Same <laughs> You hear that, Nick Fisher? Watch out. Emits, uh, emits trying to get in on your spot. So uh, <laughs> Coming for it. No one can break up the two Nicks, man. That is a, no, that is a no, serious, serious bond right can't, there. Can't break up Nick and Fish or Winks and Fish. <laughs> Um, speaking of Winks and Fish, uh, Nick Winkler, thank you for being here today. Uh, thanks for having me. And I also want to thanks our, uh, thank our interview guest, Alex, for taking the time yeah. to out of her busy schedule to do an interview. For the yeah, show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And April, thanks uh, again for being here in your busy new life in Ontario side. Uh, I'll always make time for this. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. All right. You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook with at divein.thepodcast. You can email us a uh, message, a voicemail, anything you like. Just send that email to divein.thepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can even send us that voice message directly on our website at www.diveinthepodcast.com. If you do send us a voice message, we'll try our best to play it back on the upcoming episode and answer your question right on the air. You can find me at IDiveOK. April is at April Weikert. Nick is at Nicholas Winkler Photography. Nick Fisher is at Scuba underscore 406. Amit is not on social media, so you can't find him. Uh, you can find me <laughs> like a ninja. Like a ninja. Like a ninja. You can find links for everything we mentioned on today's episode on our show notes uh, or on our website, diveinthepodcast.com. We'll see you next Monday when we chat with Marianne Watson. This episode of Dive in the Podcast was brought to you by our sponsor, Torpedo Ray Scuba. Head over to your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated, and thanks for listening.